Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is Cesar Pliqueta. This is William. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Dan here. Behind the mic, Brandon, unfortunately, tied up with a little work this weekend. We have Mike fulfilling his contractual obligation as a father to take his son to a baseball game. It is an American thing to do, but no worries. Nick is still here. Isn't that right, Nick? Yep. I have made the... uh, I'm I'm the N'Golo Conte of this podcast until today. I've made the most pod appearances this season to everyone's chagrin and uh, still here. Can't get rid of me, but... uh, we, we brought along a friend because the Dan and Nick show can't be sustainable for two episodes in a week, Dan. <laughs> Probably not, but it is always a pleasure to get the wonderful Mr. Clayton Bierman on the show. Clayton, welcome back. It has been far too long, and I blame Nick primarily for that. <laughs> I blame Nick primarily for most things, actually. So, um, no, it's lovely to be back. Um, it's uh, in the wee small hours here, but um, no sacrifice too small for you guys. Always. See, He's he's breaking my heart over here. This is what he's doing. (laughs) Always the proper gentleman. We're very fortunate that we have an exciting match, riveting game (laughs) to talk about with you to try to keep you up. Uh, But before, (laughs) 
<laughs> but before we do that, we're going to go through a couple of iTunes reviews we got from the last time we recorded. We had uh, one from uh, Ike, who gave us a little five-star love, talking about the three, sometimes four, passionate fans who get together. We had uh, young Ellie getting on, giving us a little five-star love as well. We appreciate that. Also from my former home of San Francisco. And we had Triple J B six U from the UK with just hi. So hello back. <laughs> very uh very wordy. Uh and then we had uh GG Greg G F D um from Australia. So uh first time in a long time that we've had a review from Australia. So we appreciate the five star love from there as well. I, I I love this review, by the way. Uh, been listening to the show for the longest time, and, and you guys, in parentheses, unlike the team this season, always show up. Keep up the great work. So thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And we appreciate all of the wonderful five-star reviews we get on iTunes. It's always a great way to share this show with someone, to give us a little little dab, a little dap up. And we are at 492 reviews in the U.S. iTunes store, so we are eight away from the 500 mark. So if you have not done it before and uh, you are in a safe place, uh, a.k.a. not driving your vehicle, this might be a good time to leave a review on iTunes, the five stars, and we'll shout you out next week. But, Nick, before we get into the match review, last thing we got to talk about is we did have a couple of new Patreon members join. Correct. Yeah, so uh, really appreciate uh, these fine folks uh, who joined up. Uh, over the international break uh, and a little bit after, uh, our friend Chad Harris somehow wasn't a part of this group and is now a part of this group. So that's awesome. Uh, we've been to London twice with Chad. He is the leader of the uh, Twin Cities Blues. So great to have Chad on board. Tony and Mitch Kane, all a part of the Discord group. Uh, if you're interested in our Patreon, it's it's no obligation, obviously. But um, for the $3 level, you can be a part of our Discord group, which is absolutely off the charts um, and, and a lot of fun. So do that and uh, and become a part of the group. But thanks to those fine folks. So we did, we did have a couple of questions kind of lead us into this match review. And one of our Patreon members, Derek, asked us, Clayton, <laughs> has there ever been a more depressing win? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> That's what I figured, but... Uh... Very, very much so. I mean, you know, we, we talk in, uh, we talk in perspectives here. And, uh, yeah, I, if we're talking about depressing wins because it means that Sarri keeps his job for another couple of weeks, then uh, I suppose it's up there. But... Um, <sighs> I know what you mean. It wasn't. It wasn't the most um, inspiring of, uh, of victories or sort of feelings afterwards. But I have to say, watching our friend Mr. Warnock explode on the sidelines made things that much more enjoyable. To be perfectly honest with you, that did um, add I, some context to the the what we were experiencing uh, was nowhere near the the vitriol that he was kind of going through at that moment. Yeah, well, I will quickly say on this um, because I I too enjoyed watching Neil Warnock. Um, explode. I, I also need to add on Neil Warnock. He looks like a legitimate witch. Um, I, I'm not sure if if you guys have Clayton the same kind of like witch like hocus pocus um, movies uh, during ho- the Halloween season, but he looks like an actual witch with his nose. It's incredible. Um, yeah, this was this was not great. I cleaned my entire house after this match because I was disgusted with with the result um and that is no small feat for me so uh so yeah not great dan yeah no longer looks like an episode of hoarders apparently and uh, we're we're, good we're very happy for you 
Uh, we also had a quick question from Chelsea Eric asking, can I just sleep through the games, watch the highlights, and basically know what happened, uh, minus the unnecessary passing? <laughs> Which oh, Nick, man. I think, was a good uh, good summary potentially of uh, what you might want to do. You know, in terms of like uh, an alternate option for enjoying the uh, the result. Yeah, I think uh, our friend Mark Worrell Clayton uh, echoed the same sentiments on Twitter today, and when I think you guys just uh, sprung forward in, uh, in an hour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've just uh, entered British summertime, so yes, we. Uh, we're looking forward to it. The weather's glorious, and uh, all is good, apart right. from the football. With the, with that <laughs> rousing endorsement, we will transition into the match review. Yes, we're going to do it. Strap in. We will try to keep you awake more than the match did, because it was against Cardiff City in the Premier League this past Sunday, March 31st of the year 2019. It was at the Cardiff City Stadium, and the score was shockingly... Cardiff 1, Chelsea 2. Nick, we had a lineup that was a little different than what maybe many people were expecting. And would you like to, in the absence of Brandon being here, uh, I'd love to share those duties with you. (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, So back from the international break, um, you know, everyone's well rested um, for the most part. Keppa in goal, Antonio Rüdiger, Marcus Alonso, Cesar Spilicueta, David Luiz make up the back line. Jorginho, Ross Barkley, Mateo Kovacic in midfield. Gonzalo Higuain, Pedro Willian up front. Uh, that would mean there's a notable absence in the starting lineup of one Angolo Conte, of one Eden Hazard. We also had Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Olivier Giroud, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Andreas Christensen, and Willie Caballero on the bench stand. Yeah, and I think, Clayton, this was definitely a little shocking for most supporters, even though that we've seen international breaks where players have played a lot, they come back and play another match. You know, What was your initial reaction to seeing these names fly across your, your Twitter timeline? I wasn't shocked at all. Um, I was on the fan cast on Monday, and we had a, a discussion. I mean, this was before or during um, Hudson-Odoi's second game for England where he um he played really well and we would we were saying do you think that what's happened is going to propel him into the first team and the answer was a categoric no and the reason being um William Pedro Higuain were all um back at Cobham for two weeks so I don't think there was any doubt at all obviously the big surprise was Hazard being rested um, I was less concerned with Kante being rested because, I mean, completely futile because he's so fit. But I didn't think in this sort of game that we needed Kante as well. But I don't ever understand why you would lead Hazard out unless one of his legs had fallen off, Dan. Well, we, we did check, uh, just double-checked. His leg has not fallen off. He still has both of them. So, yes, quite quite shocking in that regard. So we'll we'll get in a little bit more to the, the larger context of things, but I want to review those goals that happened. Uh, it was a pretty quiet first 45 minutes. First half goes by, but then right at the start of the 46 minute there, second half, Nick, it was a unsurprising Cardiff goal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I made a tweet that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna quote myself uh, because that's what I can do on the show uh, without Brandon here to 
roundly criticized me. Um, I did I did one of those quote setups where I was like, "Sorry, all right, lads, we we got through the first half. Let's go out and have a strong start to the second half." Fifty seconds later, Cardiff won, <laughs> Chelsea nil, job done. So yeah, I mean, look, this this is nothing new, Clayton. I mean, the team cannot seem to come out in the second half with any sort of energy or wherewithal, and it's it's another symptom. Uh, of that, I mean, this this Cardiff team are not goal scoring machines, and yet they put one past us pretty easily. I, I, it is absolutely extraordinary that when we come out for a second half, we are soporific. It, it's it's happened week after week. I mean, it's not as if we go in buzzing because we've done anything tremendous in the first half, but whatever he does in in the changing room it is quite extraordinary. I mean, it was a I don't know how bad the goal was I don't not because I didn't see it but I I think sometimes you have to say that was a really well taken strike I think the only thing I can criticize for is that he wasn't closed down quicker um but as far as I was concerned it was it was a bad goal to concede but I I, you know it was Cardiff did well there Uh, I don't know what you think Dan yeah I mean I think uh it it was a nice strike on the ball I think you know it was actually uh, the assist from Harry Arter was a little, little light. So, uh, Kamasera was able to do a nice number with that. And you know, I think it was just being lax after the, you know, kind of corner slash free kick, um, opportunity that put him in a position to, you know, where everybody switched off, which has been an, un, you know, not uncommon occurrence, unfortunately, when we get into set piece routines, you know, we try to mark zonally, we try to, protect space and this team doesn't seem to have the ability to do that quite effectively but it would take a little bit of time a lot of time and some luck nick 84th minute your boy aspilaqueta scores the most onside goal i've ever seen no question about it no no question (laughs) no question about it (laughs) Uh, look, he was, uh, what, two or three yards offside. This shouldn't have been a hard call for the linesman. Uh, you know, I think we have a history on this show of raising our hands. This this was not a justified goal. This was not a good goal. Um, it, it counted, though, and and frankly, it, it won't next year with VAR, most likely. So let's get in the cheap ones while we can. <laughs> I mean, uh, Clayton, I, I don't know what you made of this, but it was uh, it was kind of a shit show. It, it was it was embarrassing on the TV here tonight. They were basically saying that the linesman's view was obstructed because William was standing in front of him after the corner was taken, uh, and it did look like that to a certain extent. But it it it, it was embarrassing. Um, I don't care to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm not. I'm not embarrassed to take it. Um, we've had some lousy calls, and they do even themselves out. They really do. But but I think this, on top of the other um, calls that the referee made during the game, I think uh, Colin was entitled to feel incensed. Well, we will t- dive a little bit deeper into the officiating debacle that was this match very shortly. But before that, let's heap some praise, though. 90th minute plus four extra of the seven minutes of stoppage time that this game produced. Ruben Loftus-Cheek heads it, stands up in the box, you know, heads it into the goal, assist from William and Clayton. This uh, this had me jumping up and down, and I'm sure celebrating Mother's Day. How did you find the appropriate way to celebrate uh, and not disrespect the moment? 
I'd already disrespected it, obviously, by <laughs> by, by by watching. Um, but no, I, it it was great. I mean, my my uh, my brother and my son, we were um, crouched around the little iPad, and it was it was wonderful. It was uh, it was good because I think as as we discussed, the sort of the bonus was how wound up Warnock was getting, and it was just um, we all said. I mean, no way we deserve to win, but we all said, wouldn't it be great if we scored now just to see how angry he's going to get? And lo and behold, and it was a great goal. It's a really, really well-worked goal. Um, great cross from William um, and brilliant header. So um, happy days. Uh, I don't know um, you celebrated, Nick, I suspect, that, or you, you got the dusters out when you uh, uh, yeah. when we scored, getting ready for the housekeeping. That's right. Um, no, I love we love Ruben, you know, to see Ruben come on and have such an impact and what, you know, the 20 or 25 odd minutes that he got was fantastic. You know, I, I think we all kind of wish that he was fit enough to kind of carry it forward through the end of the season, because I think there's just a clear difference Clayton with how he carries the ball. He interchanges versus what we saw from Barkley, honestly. Um, and you know, I, it was it was a lot of different factors that went into this goal, but the, you know, the point being is when he's on the pitch, you you give yourself a little bit more of a chance on set pieces like we did here, and he's too big and he's too strong to keep him at bay forever. Uh, and this this was just a, a pretty easy header. I mean, he he clearly shrugged uh, shrugged the defender off and just put it in the corner like he's done a thousand times in training and. Dan, to me, that that was kind of the story there. I mean, it was it was really poorly defended, and Ruben got his you know strength game up to a hundred, and and really just put it in the back of the net. That was it. Yeah, he wasn't being taken down in the box, and that was a pleasant thing to see. It was a wonderful surprise, and we got to see Warnock get uh, a little angry. His uh, his temperament maybe blew past that hundred level mark that uh, Ruben's strength had passed. But we want to talk about the fact that. Well, it's not the best first topic to get into. It ultimately became the storyline of the match, which was officiating. And we saw many examples during this match of inconsistent application of rules, a complete rejection of the idea of what offside actually means. <laughs> and, you know, for all the you know, the major implications this could have for Chelsea's, you know, ability to qualify for the Champions League via top four spot and automatic promotion, um, or automatic qualification, you know, Cardiff now are gonna potentially see a massive impact to their ability or their aspirations to stay up in the Premier League through some of this. And I know what I was reading online, and I know it sounds like, Clayton, you were listening to some of the programming afterwards in the UK. What was some of the sense that you were taking away? How did you feel about this officiating as it relates to this larger maybe officiating gap as a whole that we've seen this season? It was just a continuation. I mean, the the the, the ref is a particularly poor ref, um, and we've been on the sort of the wrong end of a lot of his decisions over the years. But we 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 basically got um, we got the rub of the green today. Um, there was Cardiff could have had two penalties, but by the same token, we could have had a penalty. And I think the whole penalty thing is quite difficult because. Uh, the the fouls in the box um, R1 came first so had we 
had the penalty and scored it, then the whole complexion of the game would have been different. So I think it's it's quite difficult. I get quite frustrated because all the pulling in 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 the box or, or anywhere near the penalty area is given a different level of interpretation to if it happens outside. So the the referees are sort of have to be a hundred percent certain that they've they've got you know those guys have got a tough job. Um, I think Rudiger should have been sent off. I think he was very, yeah. very lucky. Um, that was uh, that was dreadful. Whether that would have had an impact on the game, I'm not sure. Um, I think that happened, what, about five minutes before we scored? Um, it may have done. It, uh, the way we sort of approached the rest of the game may have been, let's keep what we've got rather than go for a winner. Um but we definitely lucked out. Um, but it, you know, next week, Wednesday, it could all go against us. You, you just don't know. Um, and I, I don't think you can underestimate how much Walnut gets under referees' skins. Um, and they perhaps are, they're human and they're less likely to do him a favour. But um, it's, it's hard to, I can't think of anything else in the game, but it, it really was very poorly um, officiated, uh, but in our favor. So um, I don't know if I've missed anything, Dan. No, I mean, I think the, you know, the, the I would agree with the premise that Rudiger should probably not have had a chance to see the full 90 minutes of the match, given his tackling ability. But you know, Nick, was there anything maybe from like a surprise standpoint or, you know, do you kind of agree that this is just really a continuation of the officiating standards that we've seen this season? I completely and utterly agree with Neil Warnock on one thing, that this is the best league in the world and it's probably among the worst referees in, in the world. I, the, the standard has dropped so significantly and, you know, I think – we we would all think back probably Clayton to, to the days of Howard Webb even um, and and yearn for those kind of stronger better positioned referees. I mean it's it's bonkers to me that you know the, there's so much money in this league and yet year after year after year you you continue to see the level of refereeing decline. Uh, there there's certainly something that has to happen there um, because you're right. Chelsea will be on the wrong end of this sooner rather than later, most likely. Um, we've not had a really great run with referees as of late, and this was just a lucky kind of day for us. But I, I think the only thing I want to touch on here is is all of the shirt pulling and grappling that happens on set pieces. Um, this is really, really tricky, uh, and I frankly would not, you know, if, if I was in Pawson's position or any of the assistant referees' positions, I would really struggle with this because Marcus Alonso could have given away, you know, if if we're using the most you know liberal interpretation of the of the rule, two penalties today for grabbing, I think it was Morrison's uh, shirt in the box. And, you know, likewise, there are a couple of Cardiff players uh, who were grabbing Antonio Rudiger and Cesar Espilicueta uh, in the box. And Clayton, I'm not 100% sure how you referee that out of the game or if you just start giving penalties so that there's no contact on set pieces. But this would seem to me like one of the harder places that a referee has to actually apply his trade. 
Yeah, I think that, um, again, and I'm borrowing from Match of the Day because they, they raised this point and they referred back to the World Cup. And if you remember in the World Cup, there were quite a few penalties given for shirt pulling. And it seems to me that if VAR comes in, which is going to come in the Premier League next year, it's only going to take the first half a dozen games to produce, you know, half a dozen penalties for shirt pulling and people have stopped doing it. Uh, you know, it, it, it's basically been like that for years. There, there was, um, I think it was Mike Dean a couple of seasons ago. There was some sort of um, directive that they were saying, OK, if this is happening, you've got to give penalties. And Mike Dean, God bless him, um, appeared to be the only one that, that, that listened and gave penalties. So if you're going to concede a penalty, if you know you're going to concede a penalty you're going to stop doing it. You know, there is no doubt that that's, that's going to work. My concern, and I think everybody's concerned with VAR, is if you start doing that, the games are going to go on and on and on and, you know, lose the spontaneity. So, yeah, I mean, if everybody does it, I know it's a, a, a pretty um, pretty flippant thing to say. If everybody does it, then everybody's judged by the same thing. Um, and if you don't get called up for it, then it's going to continue going on. Um, but one of the ironic things is the number of people who actually can take a corner that beats the first man, it doesn't actually really make any difference, does it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is uh, that strikes true to the, the heart of many issues with the way that our set pieces work. What I, what I will say about your point with VAR is I think similar to the way that in American football when – the use of challenge flags and being able to challenge a play, it, it it did not work well and it really sucked for the first little bit when it got introduced to the game. And I think nowadays, at least on the plays where you are able to challenge, they usually get the play right, I think, to an extra like percentage level to bring up most officiating like into the like ninety-nine percentile. So I definitely understand the concern around the spontaneity and the flow of the game. And I think at, at some point, you know, with it being added in, it's going to suck, I think, for a little bit next season uh, to just speak very plainly about it. But the hope would be is that you know, as they get accustomed to using it and as it becomes a part of the matches that hopefully they find the appropriate balance between getting it right and doing so in a, a manner that does not significantly impact the ability to appropriately you know play a game in a way that is still exciting and engaging to to the viewer and uh you know to you know at the stands and at home yeah I, I mean, pace of play clayton i mean i think that's the big concern that everyone's has with this go ahead no no, no. i was just going to say I, I i think you want the game to improve and you want you don't want people cheating because basically that that is what people are doing by cheating i think it's quite interesting that i think marcus alonso has been singled out this season for doing a lot of that um my my biggest thing with var is taking the joy out of a goal you know if you score a goal you are ecstatic it's it is the moment obviously apart from the final whistle and winning but if you score a goal and then it's VAR and a minute later, it's like, yes, it's a goal. It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like a relief rather than the joy. But um, anyway, we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. I mean, I, I think 
the, the sort of the irony of, of basically um, comparing it to what happens in in NFL, where that is so stop start anyway. Another stoppage doesn't doesn't affect the flow of the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think the the only caveat to that is there were periods of time where it was you know three minutes, five minutes, and it was very. You know, similar to like the additional kind of commercial break that would pop up, and you know, sometimes now they can get it done uh, pretty quickly because they also have centralized some of the operations of that piece too. Um, but before we we move on, I do want to give uh, one shout to Neil Warnock for uh, being happy when things go his way. Uh, in this regard, uh, there was one person who tweeted out the fact that before you feel too sorry for Neil Warnock, you have to read his quotes after they gained two points from an offside error versus Brighton. Um, and his quotes were that um, my wife doesn't read tea leaves, but she did tell me two weeks ago last Thursday that my luck is going to change. We have no choice um, according to the bookies, but the lads are going to give me anything. Um, he also said the winning goal that was offsides. It's not a decision for me to make. Um, and then he also said, you win some, you lose some as far as he's concerned. This time, Lady Luck was on my side. So uh, good, good for Neil Warnock to take the moments when they come and suffer when they when they don't come. Um, we will take a quick break though, and after our sponsor break, we will get into another question. All right. So Nick, the appearance of Hazard and Loftus Cheek to me really changed the shape of things, put us in a position to be more successful in this match. But sorry, ascribe the result to a lot of luck. And he said that uh, we were very lucky today after a bad first half and another so start to a second half. He says we reacted better than in Everton, but the timings of our goal and the manner of the first goal was very lucky. So while, yes, we have to give a little bit of praise and thanks to luck being on our side, what percent of the end result and the win today came from the two, you know, talismans, as it were, and Hazard and Ruben Loftus-Cheek? I mean, they changed the entire game for me. I, you know, I, I think the the I'm going to paraphrase Joe Tweeds, who um, I think really summed this up. The more time Sorry spends coaching this squad, the worse they look. It's almost impressive. Um, that that's uh, and and for those who know Joe, that's that's about as Joe as as Joe gets. Um, it, I, I don't know what they were doing today. Honestly, um, surely, you know, the addition of Hazard and Loftus-Cheek, you know, made it possible to go and win the game. But, you know, Clayton, to me, this didn't there was no sorry system present today. There was a lot of sloppy passes. There was a lot of disjointed play. I don't know what Pedro or William were doing at all in this match. Um, Iguain had a couple of touches, I think, in the first half total. Uh, I. I honestly have no idea what they were trying to do. And I mean, certainly Hazard changes the game because he can run at people and has control of the ball, but yikes, man. Yeah, no, I, I, it's, um, it's funny. You should say that because that was a conversation we were having whilst watching it was what, what is our formation? What are we trying to do? How are we trying to play? Because there is nothing. It, it, it looks like a bunch of individuals who met 10 minutes before the game started <laughs> who basically were just working out, you know, well, we know we need to go up the other end. Um, but there, there was no plan. I, I think this whole myth of Sarri ball, whether it exists or whether it can be played or what have you, um, one of my 
big beefs with Sarri was his quote at the beginning of the season that he's not interested in the transfer market because basically he's interested in coaching players and improving them. Well, as Joe Tweeds said, it's it, this is the most bizarre situation is we are getting worse week by week. So that says to me the players have, have given up um, on him, to be perfectly honest, but not on themselves. There was a really interesting statistic tonight um, on the telly that we have scored 18 goals in the last um, 15 minutes of games this season. And it's only Liverpool who scored 19 that have scored more than us. And that, to me, talks talks multitudes about the spirit of the actual players, that they aren't giving up. Um, so I don't know, Dan, if you, if you think that's a, a valid point, but, um, I, you know, clutch at any straw I can, to be honest. Well, I think that would represent about 35% of our goals coming in the, the dying moments of a match, which is, uh, could, you know, could causality wise could be a lot of things. It could be the not getting the lineup right at the beginning of the match. It could be not being able to break down the back four for an extended period of time or the two sets of eight or two sets of four. Uh, so eight defenders in some of the matches that we've seen, um, you know, I think I think you know it's kind of bring it back into the the praising of that the you know the the spirit. You know, Ruben Loftus Cheek uh, had twenty six touches. Uh, the, obviously, the one goal, ninety three percent pass accuracy, fourteen of sixteen passes, one or three shots, two or three dribbles, four or six duels, um, one block, one aerial uh, victory, two recoveries, and was fouled once. And really had a, a stat line in my mind, Nick, that speaks to someone who, when healthy and when maybe determined to. Uh, you know, get an opportunity to start should be making, you know, I I think as you said earlier, making the start ahead of someone like Ross Barkley for what he brings to that attacking dimension. Yeah. The, the dichotomy between the Ross that we saw playing for England midweek and the Ross that we saw today, I can't explain other than sorry does not want him to do the thing that he's best at. He, you know, because the system is more important than the individual, which you know I think I can totally understand. But uh, this this is a shell of what Ross Barkley is capable of, and you know I think unfortunately for him, and then fortunately for Ruben, as their kind of power rankings slide up and down in in the team, Ruben's just better at the system. I think you know I, he he seems to have a way better understanding in the final third. He seems to have better movement. He seems to have better passing. They're they're both probably equally as physical, but Ruben's taller. I mean, I think if if it's a battle between those two, Clayton, you know, I, I think I know who I'm picking uh, in terms of who I would start the rest of the year. But it's just it's so weird watching Ross Barkley, you know, play pretty well. You know, I'm not gonna he wasn't a superstar for England, but he played pretty well, and then just. I don't know what he's out there doing today at all. And then the, the miss at the end just kind of summed it up too. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, I felt sorry for him because he, he, he got himself into a really good position. Um, I think that uh, one of the things about Ross Barkley and apologies to anybody who's listened to this um, 
show and, and other shows that I've been on is the fact that Sarri seems to put him in a straitjacket. And I think Ross Barkley has been one of the hits of the season in terms of really trying to do what he's told, improve himself as a player. Uh, and therefore, he does everything that Sarri tells him. But what Sarri tells him compared to what Gareth Southgate tells him are two different things. Um, I think it's just sort of going back on on the uh, on the team selection. We've got three people who can change things: um, Hudson Odoi, Hazard, and Ruben, because they do something different. They basically run at people. They scare defenders. To go into a game with not one of those guys on the field is just inexcusable. And the thing that I, I one of the effects when we were talking about the team not knowing what they're not, appearing to not know what they're doing out there, it must be fairly deflating when you go onto a pitch and you're in a team and you look over at the bench and think, mm, they should be on here because they'll make our life a lot easier they will do something. They will create for all of us. Um, I just don't know where it goes. Well, I do know where it's going. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and But unfortunately, with the win today, I, I think that we're stuck with Sarri till the end of the season. I don't know if you agree, Dan. Oh, that is a, that is a loaded question there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think... Unless something were to happen, such as we lost our next Europa League match, or we somehow, you know, in in the midweek here, uh, really, you know, just collapse against the might of Brighton, which would not be out of the <laughs> realm of possibility, given some. <laughs> of, of course, the- it's not. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think he has made himself safe until the end of the season, um, but I, I guess. I never would want someone to be in a job feeling that they are safe from the results or their kind of KPIs or whatever their measurables are. You know, I think all, all of us, you know, and, and I imagine many of our listeners have worked in a job where they are accountable to something. If they're not, I mean, that's a pretty interesting job structure. I'd love to learn more about it. Um, but, you know, if his remit was to finish top four, uh, that actually is still with Spurs continuing to struggle and, you know, with potentially what happens when United play Wolves later uh, this week and, you know, Arsenal versus Newcastle, which could be kind of a funny result. Like four is still mathematically possible. So if you're looking at it saying, if you're a Marina and you're in the board and you're saying, well, he statistically could still finish in the top four and could still win Europa League. So even though the football isn't great, we can just make it to the end of the season and then reassess what our options are going to be. But if we're looking for where the improvement is, you know, Nick, you know, we've talked about a couple of the things like Eden and Ruben changing the play. You know, you mentioned a couple of players who you thought were also struggling. I want to throw a a surprise statistic at you, (laughs) not including the script. Can't wait. Yeah. You should be excited. So uh, three three Chelsea strikers, uh, two on loan away, uh, one currently here. Uh, so this Murata, Bashawai, Higuain. I'm going to give you stat lines. I'm going to tell you, or you're going to tell me who you think is which. So okay. Gonzalo Higuain, Mishi Bashawai, Murata. Three stat lines are 
613 minutes, three goals. 654 minutes, four goals and one assist. Then 849 minutes, three goals. Oh, okay. Uh, is it Batshuayi, Murata, Iguain in that order? You would, you would be correct. Very, very good. Wow. Look at that. You got wow. the surprise stat correct today. God, that's crazy. Uh, Batshuayi just apparently crushing it. Um, I, can I can I quickly just chime in on this because like, and, and I wanted to get Clayton's opinion as we before we transition into um, indiv- other individual performances. Then uh, Clayton clearly the anti sorry chants were audible on TV, and I'm sure you heard them as well. None of them were nice. Um, in fact, a lot of them involved uh, catchy words and phrases. Um, he can't. He can't survive that, right? Like, there's when it gets this vitriolic. I I don't know if there's any manager who could survive that. No, I mean, obviously, we haven't seen anything like it since Rafa was in charge. But right. that was just that was just personal. That had nothing to do with his footballing skill. That had nothing to do with um, his ability as a manager, because as we know and has been proved, proven, um, he's a very good manager, and it absolutely sticks in the gullet to actually say that. Um, but this is this is really just a this is frustration. This this is knowing that things could be better um we are playing with one hand tied behind our back um i can't see him coming back from this um but i wouldn't be at all surprised because this is the sort of nuthouse club that we are if we won the europa league (laughs) you know and and i would nothing would surprise me um but i honestly don't know it's 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 a completely bizarre situation i also think part of the anger is the fact that we've had some managers who sarri couldn't hold a candle to who have been sacked for a lot less um and so that to me is is one of the major frustrations um i don't know if you agree dan oh yeah it's it is frustrating it's it's frustrating to see you know and i think we i was getting into a couple of conversations today with you know people saying well you know sarri's getting all the blame right now and it's all on the players. And I think that there's a lot of shared, the challenges are shared blame for all of this. You know, no one person doesn't have their fingerprints on the weapon, right? Used in the crime. Like all of the players have it. The board has it. The owner has it. The manager and the coaches have it. Everyone is responsible for what gets out onto the pitch at the end of the week. The bigger issue is that everybody owns different percentages of that, and I think we're trying to go back and exonerate people of their ownership to fit a level of narrative, and that narrative is, well, I want to back the manager because the manager hasn't had time, and so well, I'm going to figure out who do I blame to exonerate the manager, or, well, I don't think it's the players. These players have won championships before, so I'm going to go figure out the way to unilaterally exonerate them and put blame on the board. And while the board has not intervened enough or, you know, they have brought Chelsea to, you know, record, you know, financial success. So, you know, if we 
bought great players who won previously. You know, maybe it's the manager. So let's exonerate the board and, you know, give more, you know, crap to the manager. And it doesn't put us in any good situation because now we've just weaponized every quote, every match, and every outing as a way to either voice displeasure to uh, the players, the manager, the board, ta- all, you know, all of the above, none of the above, take your pick. And I think it's made it very, very challenging, Nick, just to enjoy the football, which is not something that has happened often. You know, we've, we, doing this podcast, you know, for five years, we've had some moments where it wasn't great, but I don't think I've ever gotten to the point where it doesn't feel like I, I don't necessarily want to watch a match sometimes, which is um, a wonderful credit to everyone involved. Yeah, like I, I would agree with that. I, I think the the way that I felt in the 50 or the 46th minute to the 85th minute was complete and total apathy. Like you know, our fate had been kind of sealed already. You know, I didn't, I didn't think we were going to get top four to start the year. And certainly the decline in the second half of the season has been shocking at times. Um, But I just felt apathy and I felt apathy, you know, at the end of the Conte era when he had kind of given up um, and was, was just, you know, a firebrand for no particular reason. Um, You know, I was, I've been apathetic before. This is weird, though, to me, Clayton, because of kind of what you were talking about earlier. You, you, sorry, were brought here to uh, entertain, thrill, you know, make sure that Chelsea Football Club was playing an attractive style of football. You were here to develop players and to, you know, kind of, you know, level up their total talent and, Overall, you can't point to either one of those things happening. And I think, in fact, you're pissing off people along the way, most notably the match going and away fans. I, I don't know how you I don't know how you survive that because if, the, if those are the requirements of your job, you're not doing any of those things, you know? No, but if, if he ends up getting top four uh, and or winning the Europa League. that Okay, valid, yeah. The, the club will say he he did what we we hired him to do um so i think it's going to take a big admission um for whoever hired him to get rid of him um the the fact that they're talking about people not going to games because of the style of football etc is slightly disingenuous because I think the the sort of quotes boycott that that was talked about here is basically because games are being moved to Monday nights. Uh, one of the Mondays is an Easter is Easter Monday. One of the tube lines isn't working that day. So I don't, you know, people go to football. They enjoy going. Um, there have been some sort of other games where football has not been, you know, there's there's not been the entertainment because if you think back to uh, Mourinho's last championship winning um, team and and the games is that we were flying and then we got beaten 5-3 at Spurs and that was sort of January and Mourinho said, fine, we ain't going to play that expansive way anymore. We're going to make sure that we just 
get the results we need till the end of the season. Now, a lot of those games weren't particularly entertaining, but where you could see what he was doing, we were getting the points and we were playing in a certain way. The problem with this guy is, one, none of us know what he's doing, and two, um, he's alienating potentially the biggest star the club has produced for decades. So I think that that's that's the biggest problem as far as I can see. And the fans are, are reacting to him in that way. Well, you know, the uh, the video footage uh, is never kind to most people. And I, I will say on that last point that you made, Clayton, the video footage was certainly not kind to sorry when Calvin Hudson-Odoi was panned on to after the last substitution was made, Nick, I don't know if you caught that precise moment. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chelsea in America retweeted the gif of it. Um, and look, I, I went into a whole thing, uh, you know, a, a Twitter thing with Alex Goldberg on the whole Calum Hudson-Odoi thing, which I will not recap here because it's not worth it. But um, I... You know, I want I want these guys to play. And as you were going to point out before we kind of derailed, I derailed you on sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, when you have players like Pedro and William today and against Everton and in previous performances this year who are not living up to their uh, their kind of reputation and not contributing to goals, um, you, it does beg the question, why is he not playing? You know, like, and and the only thing I can tell you, and this is what Pat Nevin told us last week, and I I truly believe it as a function of how football works and how society works is, you know, it must be that they are outworking him in training or there's something else going on. And I'm not even telling you that's the right excuse right now. Maybe it's something completely below board, Clayton. But if you if you tried this thing all year and it's not really worked. You know, don't you have to play him now? Don't you have to see what you got? Yeah, I mean, I I think, um, and just harking back to our conversation on Twitter, Pat Nevin was the the shows were fantastic. So well done, guys. Thank you. Um, they were they were really superb. I was absolutely flabbergasted at how diametrically opposed I was to a lot of what Pat said about how this season has gone and, um, and Sari just generally. Um, but he talked such a good game. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. But part of me thinks, well, he works for the club, so he can't be too critical. Um, but he has been critical in his column sometimes. But the point is the whole, Hudson Adoy thing is is bonkers because if things aren't working and you have potentially the tools to make them work, you have to try it. I mean, I've said it till I'm blue in the face. Pedro and William are the most inconsistent players. They both work really hard, but you can't say if Pedro's playing that he's going to have a good game because he had a good game. The last his game against Tottenham. He was a world beater. He was absolutely phenomenal. But you could guarantee that in the next game, he wouldn't be anywhere. I mean, I just don't understand. I mean, the, the whole team selection needs to be a meritocracy. 
how many managers in the Premier League would have had a striker score a hat-trick on a Thursday and then you didn't see him on the Sunday? Not very many. Now, I'm not having a go at Higuain because I actually think Higuain has continually had no service. I mean, he's a striker and you need to feed strikers. Higuain has had, what did he have today? Nothing. Nothing at all. He didn't have one chance. He was basically picking the ball up, um, you know, 30, 40 yards from goal because it wasn't coming to him. He was having to go to it. It really was, you know, which just goes back to this whole, what are we trying to do? How are we trying to play? But just going back to the hudson Adoy, um, the manager was made to look like an absolute mug uh, during the international break. Um, and maybe he's just basically saying, sticking the proverbial two fingers up and saying, I do what I need to do. But to me, he's not benefiting the team. He's not helping the team as much as he could. Well, and that was my point, Dan. Like, as much as the players exist in a meritocracy, so does Maurizio Sarri. So, you know, pretending that he is incentivized by the one thing that we know Chelsea Football Club stands for, and that's winning. How, you know, I... I know how it how it ends because we know how the story ends for a lot of Chelsea managers, but it seems to me that he's kind of just playing the anti-hero here and not not willing to even really see what's going on, you know, outside of Europa League or or care about cup matches with with Callum. And you know, again, this could be the thing. You know, if, if William and Pedro are still inconsistent throughout the end of the season uh, on the right hand side, this could be the thing that sees him canned pretty quickly because we aren't winning well the thought is is that you have the registration ban review happening earlier now so chelsea have secured a date i believe it's april 11th and fifa will finalize their ruling Uh, there still will need to be a written submission of it so they'll give i think i believe a verbal review of it they'll provide it to the team in a short informed produce the you know, the full version of it and then go to share that out um which potentially could see us if we do our appeal quick enough at least get the uh, the summer to get a bit of stay of execution and sign some players as it were but if the thought is that Eden Hazard potentially leaves for Real Madrid if Callum is going to want to go if Pedro and William are both on the wrong side of, of 30 and still inconsistent. Uh, we have one Christian Pulisic as the sole individual that will be representing our forward attacking elements. And that is a very, very scary proposition. Uh, we'd love to hear more from you guys about that. So obviously uh, tweet at us, email us, hit us up on Patreon, wherever you might be carrying on the conversation with us. Real quickly, though, before we get out of here, there was Dan the match poll, Nick. No surprise with the options provided. The officials in the offside rule, 60% ran away <laughs> with the award. <laughs> Unbelievable result for the officials in the offside rule. Um, probably the most popular they're going to be all season. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, th- that is the uh, this vote is the product of having nothing to be entertained by throughout the match. So uh, congrats uh, to all of the 
people who are doing photoshops of a flat Stanley type character who is holding uh, Cesar Spilicueta on. Um, these are all these are all good things, especially in the midst of a weird season. Yeah, con- content creators uh, could have been an option. Yeah, and I never want to give uh, too many people on this podcast a, a pat on the back, <laughs> but uh, you know, Clayton, I will. You, not you, Nick. Um, but that yeah. could have been another one in here too for uh, for sticking it out through this season. Um, top four. Okay, so uh, Liverpool back on top after a last minute, last ditch effort uh, and some. Terrible goalkeeping, which I'm sure you enjoyed a whole lot, Clayton, uh, as it is a position you enjoy. Yes, I do. Um, but I always enjoy seeing that mob lose, so uh, <laughs> even if it was Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> Liverpool on top, 79 points. Manchester City with the game in hand at 77. Tottenham continuing a awful run of form, if you want to look at the grass is greener argument. Um yeah, Spurs are lost, lost, draw, lost, lost on 61 they have, points. They have one point in their last 15, out of their last 15. One. Um, Manchester United also at 61 points, just behind on goal difference. Arsenal dropping into the fifth position, but they do have a game in hand. Uh, they play Monday versus Newcastle. They are at 60 points. We are level on points at them, but behind on goal difference at 60. Uh, then it drops down from there into the 44-point range with uh, Wolves, who uh, potentially could uh, help us climb into that top four by beating United in the midweek. So uh, go on, Wolves. Um, and with that, I think it's time to uh, conclude this chapter of conversation and uh, of course say thank you to Clayton for being here in the wee hours and you know it seemed more stimulating than the match so uh, I'm glad we were able to keep you up yeah no it's uh, it's nice to be on again and um, thanks very much for having me enjoyed it Nick any did final you, thoughts did you enjoy it <laughs> oh more than you'll ever know mate <laughs> Well, we, we love having you on. We miss you and uh, we will see you hopefully sooner rather than later my man Absolutely. Uh, thanks for joining all right well, with that said and done, we will have another episode coming to you tomorrow or the next time that you're listening, whatever you may be. It's, it's going to come out on Tuesday. You know, time is relative in podcasting. But until then, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high. We're out.